Good day, friends. We've covered these verses before, but we're going to use them again. How long shall I see the standard and hear the sound of the trumpet? The trumpet was sounded in Judah, Israel, when there was war. They set up a standard when there was a battle. So what God is saying in Jeremiah 4 verses 21 is, How long am I going to call you to the war? How long are you going to allow the enemy to make inroads into your country? And he says, For my people is foolish, they have not known me. They are such as children, they have none understanding that they are wise to do evil. But to do good they have no knowledge. And then these powerful two verses, I beheld the earth, and lo, it was without form and void, and the heavens, and they had no light. The first thing that God created was light. Before he created this light, the earth was without form and void. I beheld the mountains, and lo, they trembled, and the hills moved lightly. Throughout the Bible, religion is seen or is associated with hills and with mountains. Because you see, the high places, the places of sacrifice, the places of worship, was always built on mountains, on hills. It was done for two different reasons. Because you see, from on top of the mountains, the kings could see the advancing enemies. They could gauge their position. They could see the movement of their troops. They could direct their generals and give instructions. On top of the hills and the mountains, people felt closer to God because they were higher. They were closer to the sky and they believed that God lived in the sky. <clears throat> but it's too late. The enemy has destroyed everything that God has created on planet Earth. Only darkness remains. Our world is once again void, empty. We have gone back to the pre-creation world. I would like to start drawing things to an end in our study. We have discovered that God wants to walk with us. We've discovered that his presence is what formed reason. What shaped the world? His presence drove away the darkness. It was like a butterfly flying into a raging storm, and the storm just died. Biblical slavery, we have discovered, constitutes a method of finding freedom. Gardening was designed to facilitate this process of finding freedom inside your heart. God fashioned love to bridge the voids within our hearts. But Satan, as we have discovered, seems to understand us. He seems to care. He seems to have answers to our needs. We have discovered that God's wisdom yearns to protect us against these temptations. We have seen that he has more to offer 
and Satan could ever give us. And that the power to overcome lies in understanding the wisdom, the providence, the care, the tenderness that can only be found in God's answers to your needs. That is why the price for our freedom is so high. God had to rebuild everything. The cross is the foundation for the plan of restoration. It is only through his death that you can start to understand how precious you really are to him. You see, his suffering highlighted your value. It told you how far he would go for you. The darkness that he lived through proved to you that he understands every detail of your life. The cross is the starting point of life itself. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we live in a world that has been damaged beyond recognition. Everything is void and empty without form. Darkness covers the inhabitants of this world. Father, the mighty mountains are trembling, the hills are moving lightly. Our religion is a mere gateway to eternal life, but as many of my friends say, if heaven is like earth, I don't want to be there. Why would I want to live forever if forever is an extension of today? Father, our lives have been ruined. There is so much pain, so much suffering, so much sadness. Mighty King, precious Savior, touch our sin-darkened hearts. Give us perspective. Teach us how to live. Set us free. This we pray in your name's sake alone. Amen. Here's a question. If Christ had to die for us, why did he come to live with us for 33 and a half years? You see, walking with us entails much more than holding your hand. It's really easy for a boy to hold a girl's hand, for a girl to hold a boy's hand. But do you truly understand them? Do you live through the shadows? through the nightmares, through the pain and the suffering that your special friend is living through. Because you see, the Father of Love did just that. He knows the abyss that rages across this planet today. And in walking with us, he proved that he understands this abyss. Think about it this way. He was born in a manger. As a babe, he had to flee for his life. Then, once returning from Egypt, he was raised in Nazareth. Now, allow me to, to explain the words of Philip when he says, Can anything good, was it Philip or Nathaniel, sorry, 
can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nazareth was the local shantytown, the slums. That's where the people, hypothetically speaking, did their drugs. The scaly people lived there. Those who had to hide from everyone else. Those that killed for a living. The people that you couldn't trust. Those that are connected with the underworld. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Oh, you're the son of Mary. <laughs> You'll notice throughout the Bible that David was the son of Jesse. If you understand Hebrew, Bar Jesse. Solomon was the son of David. Abraham was the son of Isaac. Isaac was the son of Jacob. No, sorry, I have a tr I always confuse names. I'm really bad with names. Forgive me. Jacob was the son of Isaac. Isaac was the son of Abraham. The son of a father. But not Jesus. Jesus didn't have a father. Jesus was the son of a hoe, a woman who slept around before she got married. She wasn't, or Jesus wasn't Joseph's child. Everyone knew that. It wasn't physically possible. So when you call someone the son of a woman in ancient Israel, you are calling them the son of a slut. The son of a whore. Jesus walked into the desert and he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. Do you know what happens when you stop eating for 40 days? 40 days is the point of no return. That's when the body and the organs start shutting down. You can try eating on day number 41. It's not going to help you anything. You're busy dying. Why did Jesus have to live for 40 days and 40 nights without food? He did it to tell you, I understand what it means to starve to death. I will starve myself to death to prove to you that I understand. To prove to you that your heavenly father can save you in the face of starvation. Jesus didn't just die on the cross. They tortured him. They mocked him. I don't want to go into detail because I don't want to get too graphic with the gore and the violence. But Jesus lived through the darkest night to light up your nightmares with his presence. To tell you that you don't need to be alone. He came to walk with us. He knew the abyss. And in the midst of this abyss, 
He cared more about those around him than he cared about himself. Because you see, he came to show us the Father. He was the servant that we learnt of. And through this servitude, he cemented his position of the as the king of the universe, because he showed every living being that his reign rests upon your well-being. He healed the blind, he raised the dead, he fed the hungry, the lame started walking, the numb started singing praises to his holy name, because he touched them. Jesus came to garden. He touched the soil. He touched Hadam. As we have discovered, Hadam is a name for Adam. Hadam is a name for mankind. But Hadama is also the soil beneath your feet. And so Jesus touched the soil when he touched our hearts. And gardens sprang forth. Perhaps the most amazing garden that was born was the woman at the well. You see, dear friends, the woman at the well came there in the heat of the day. Why would you go to draw water? At the warmest hour of the day. Surely everyone else does it when it's nice and cool and overcast. It's hard work to carry these heavy pots of water back to your home. Oh, she did it for a reason. She was hiding from everyone. Because you see, whenever she walked through the streets, the people would whisper. There goes that woman. Hide your husband. Watch her carefully. Make sure she doesn't get close to your son or to your father. That's the woman that destroys families, that rips hearts out. She's been married seven times. And the man she's living with now is not her husband. Your husband could be next. Your father might be her prey. Be careful of that slut. That was the soil Jesus went to till in. She was the reason why Jesus was called the son of Mary. Because you see... Instead of being in town during the day, instead of being in her lover's house where she had to face his daughters or his wife or his mother or the other people that she hurt when she seduced him. She was hiding in the field, in the open sun, being scorched so that she could escape the lips, the pain. The suffering. Because you see, back then, women couldn't 
hold office. They didn't have paying jobs. They couldn't earn their keep. They were fully dependent upon their husband to bring them food, to clothe them, to house them, to protect them. So what do you do when you're not good enough for anyone? You use all you have. You start using your body. You have no alternative. This world is dark. It's formless and void. Love no longer exists. Nothing makes sense. Everything hurts. Darkness covers the inhabitants of the land. So Jesus tells her, go call your husband. I will give you some of this living water. And she says, I have no husband. Sir, you know so much about me. You must be a prophet. The hills are shaking. The mountains, they're trembling. We don't have a religion. Your people say that God does not honor us. Your people spit upon us. They call us dogs. I can live with this suffering. I can live with this pain that my own people put upon my shoulders if I can only find the mountain. If I can only find the place of sacrifice. Lead me to the high place. Give me something, anything to live for. My life is so empty. So he stretched out his arms and he said, Father, forgive her because she does not know what he, she's doing. And as I raised the hammer to nail him to the cross, he looked at me with tear-stained eyes. Father, forgive Michael. For he knows not what he's doing. Because you see every person I've hurt. Has been tempted to nail me. To the cross. Every bitter word. Spoken towards me. Has dreamt of crucifying me. My sins, the way I treat other people, my words, my actions, should have unleashed upon me the bitter hatred that Christ endured on my behalf. When I scream at someone, when I gossip, when I lie, when I cheat, when I steal, I am unleashing the waves of hell that I hate so much upon myself. So Christ hang on the cross, suffering the agony of a teenage girl watching her dad cheat upon her mom. He died upon that cross 
feeling the hurt of a grandparent, watching their beloved grandchild die. He hung upon that cross, living through the nightmares that rages through a mother's heart when she cannot feed her children. He hung upon that cross, knowing what it feels like, because foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man does not have a place to put his head. He knew what it was like to be forsaken, because hanging from the cross it felt like God no longer understood him. The weight of the world's sin, the repercussions of my actions came crashing down upon his shoulders, and he cried, My God, my God, how has, why hast thou forsaken me? But upon that tree, he came to show you that you are never truly forsaken. Because you see, his final words was, it is finished. Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. Yes, I know different gospel writers say different things. But I do not believe that the Bible contradicts itself. I combine the phrases because the Bible does not lie. And why could they not all be right? It is finished. Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. Was the completion of Christ's work on earth to show you that while you are dying, while you are being slowly tortured to death, you can find refuge in the arms of God? You can breathe your last breath out into the hands of your Savior, and you will live forever. You do not need to die alone. As this world reduced you to the child of, of suffering and sadness, we're going to do one more recording in this series, and after that we're going to look at the 144,000. The story of the 144,000 ends with a child named Ben-Oni. That means, in the Hebrew tongue, child of my suffering, or child of my sadness. Because Ben-Oni's mom died while he was being born. Do you look in the mirror and see a child of sadness, of agony, of hurt, of suffering? Jacob or Israel changed his name. He became known as Benjamin, child of my gladness. Because he lived as a living memory of the love that Israel enjoyed through Benjamin's mom. You see, dear friend, you can become a child of God's joy. You can find the happiness, the fulfillment, 
that Christ deserves because he was treated as you deserve. You can become the son of a God, the daughter of a God because he loved you enough to endure the deprivation, the starvation, the agony, the darkness that we have unleashed upon ourselves. You, my friend, do not need to be alone. You can walk with God today. The cross shows you how far God would go for you. The cross reveals how much you mean to him. It speaks it testifies of a love that would rather die than to give up on you because you are his life. My friend, you can find this life today. You can take his hand because in the words of Christ, the last verse in Matthew 28, the last half of the verse, Lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the earth. Is earth going to end? Yes, it is. Is it going to be fun? No, it's not. Can you find the presence of God in the darkest hours of the night? Christ died to assure you that you can. Do not walk alone today, my friend. Take his hand. He will lead you by the way. Let us pray. Father God, creator of the heavens and earth. We are sinners. We have fallen short of your glory. But you love us. Thank you, Father. Touch our hearts, touch our minds. Set us free from this world of suffering. This I pray in your name's sake alone. Amen. Our next study will be on the Sabbath. We will discuss what it means to spend time with God. We will discover why our world is falling apart, despite our religions, despite our human wisdom. We will discover what life was meant to be.